This is 105.9 The Region, where parents talk and explore practical, proactive, and evidence-based solutions. This is Where Parents Talk with Leanne Castellino. Preparing teens and young adults for the post-secondary academic world, the workplace, and living independent lives is a decidedly different exercise today than it was not long ago. Our guest today has had a front row seat on some of the approaches used by parents as their kids evolve towards adulting. With a professional background in law, academia, and as a writer, she served as the Dean of Freshmen for the better part of a decade at Stanford University. She's a New York Times bestselling author, a public speaker, and a passionate advocate of young people. Her first book, called How to Raise an Adult, was published in 2016. It is a companion work to her latest book, entitled Your Turn, How to Be an Adult. A graduate of Stanford University and Harvard Law School, Julie Lithcott-Hames is also married with two children who are young adults themselves. She joins us today from Palo Alto, California. Julie, great to have you here on Where Parents Talk. Thank you for taking the time. Leanne, thank you so much. It's always wonderful to be in Canada. And we are so thrilled to have you because this word adulting may be unfamiliar to many of our listeners. And I wondered, what is your relationship with the term adulting? I first heard the term probably a decade ago when millennials began using it to describe how they felt about entering this stage of life that, frankly, older generations just took for granted was inevitable and possible. Millennials were the ones who began saying, I don't want to adult. I can't adult. I don't know how adulting is scary. And because my job was at the time as a university dean working with 18 to 22 year olds, I really felt a lot of concern and compassion for a set of young people who seem to feel ill-equipped to enter this inevitable, wonderful next stage of life. So the natural follow-up to that, Julie, is where is all that coming from? Well, that is a great question. Um, I think there are a lot of factors, certainly in my country and, and I think also in yours. Um, the cost of living in many metropolitan areas hasn't kept up with salaries and wages. And so it's not as easy for a 22-year-old who has a university degree in hand to enter the job market and afford the simplest, most spare one-bedroom apartment, for example. And so they can feel a sense of what am I doing wrong? Why can't I step out into the world the way my parents and grandparents have told me they were able to do? So these macroeconomic factors, I think, are a cause and also and what comes with that, I forgot to mention, student loan debt that many of them carry, at least in this country. So they emerge with more debt and the cost of living is higher. But at a very personal level, many in the millennial generation and now in Gen Zs were raised in a way that was about perfecting their academic lives and academic opportunities and all of the things that um, are perceived to be required to get into university and live a good life. Um, and what was overlooked along the way was, wait a minute, they're no longer doing chores around the house. They're no longer having part-time jobs after school. They're being handheld through a very rigorous childhood, parents micromanaging every little thing. And we've forgotten that kids are supposed to learn how to be adults 
by having all these little practice opportunities in childhood, whether it's around making food or taking care of deadlines or managing their own bodies and keeping track of their belongings. When we parents swoop in and manage and handle everything to make it easier for them to just focus on their academics and their extracurriculars, we are overhelping and that deprives them not only of the skills they need, but of that intrinsic sense of capability that psychologists describe as agency or self-efficacy, that inherent sense we all must have, Leanne, that, hey, I'm capable, I can, and also I can cope when things go badly. We as parents are undermining agency and resilience when we overhelp our kids. That's the way a lot of folks, not all, a lot of folks in the millennial and Gen Z generations were raised that way. And that's definitely contributing to this sense of, I can't, when it comes to the natural progression from childhood to adulthood. So I don't consider you and I that old, Julie, but you know what you've just described just sounds like it, you know, we come from a completely other planet. So let me ask you this, how do you define adulting? Adulting is uh, simply the stage of life you enter if you've survived childhood. In childhood, you are more or less the responsibility of someone else, if your parents are able to provide food, shelter, uh, love, and care, which you can't take for granted, but many of us have that, most of us do, um, you're cared for. And then you become an adult. Adulting is you're more or less the responsibility of yourself, which doesn't mean you have to go it alone, but it does mean you wake up every day with that intrinsic knowing, hey, it's on me to take care of my body, my bills, my belongings, take care of business. Um, that's what adulting is. It's it's knowing how to do the things like iron a shirt or change a tire or um, make a meal or and talk to strangers when you need help. Um, but it's also uh, wanting to. And I think this wanting to piece is wrapped up in the I don't know how to, I don't want to adult, you know, the malaise, the, the sort of hesitation. I think we've raised some kids who just like the fact that we're handling everything for them, or they think they like it, but psychologically it is deteriorating. It's eroding their sense of self. So certainly enabling the whole, um, you know, piece that you've described to unfold. So what I find really interesting about your perspective is, you know, for a decade, you watched this in different ways, shapes and forms uh, at Stanford as the Dean of Freshmen. Uh, what did you learn uh, about how university and college students that you saw and dealt with, how they define adulting today. My caveat, first of all, is what I was seeing at Stanford was uh, not a Stanford thing. It was a change in childhood um, that was manifesting itself at every university, not just mine. I think so many of my students were on a path that they were certain was right. They had been raised in a manner that said childhood is about getting you into college. It is a very rigorous, arduous process. You must go down this path. You must be great at it. They were really accustomed to this notion of path and um, and and a ladder almost. And, and this was sort of being put in front of them. And all they had to do, not that it was easy, but they just had to do um, what the grownups in their lives said equaled success. Um, and I think I'm not sure they ever asked themselves what what is adulting actually. They were sensing I can't do it. They were looking out in the world, you know, they were they were feeling inadequate at the task, but I'm not sure 
that they had a concrete definition for what it was. I mean, they would joke, you know, I don't know how to pay my bills. I don't know how to pay my taxes. I don't know how to register for jury duty. I don't know how to do these things. They they seemed to feel um, that somehow the the checklists that had been in place in childhood uh, were that they were accustomed to relying upon us. I just got to do this next. I just got to do this next. That maybe this next set of things called adulting, adulthood, were not coming with a checklist, that there there wasn't the guidance, there wasn't the information, there wasn't the handholding or somebody there to do it for them. And no matter how academically accomplished they were, and of course my students were, it made them feel inadequate that they couldn't do these things that, again, the older generations were saying, wait a minute, <laughs> when I was your age, I, took, I just handled it. Mm-hmm. You are listening to Where Parents Talk here on 105.9 The Region. I'm Leanne Castellino in conversation with Julie Lithcott-Hames, educator, mom, and author of Your Turn, How to Be an Adult. And we're talking about adulting. Now, Julie, just picking up on your last point, the unpredictability and complexity of life today is, is tangible for many of us. What life skills outside of the classroom do you believe are required today in particular to become an adult? Well, uh, early on in the book, I talk about fending, the notion of uh, one's, cap- one's capacity to look after oneself. These are the basics, Leanne. This is, um, I, I have the skill to find work uh, and, and persist at that work and earn an income from that work and pay my bills. Um, I have the skill to look after my own body, my medical needs, my dental needs, my mental health needs. Uh, I can take, I can get my medications refilled. I can make a doctor's appointment. Um, I can get a haircut. I can procure transportation, whether I'm driving or I'm biking or I'm walking or taking public transportation. I can get stuff done in my life. That's the very basic, a little bit more complicated. but also very day-to-day is I know how to talk to humans. I know how to be respectful. I know how to ask questions. I know how to advocate for myself, but also um, take the other person's needs or perspective into account. In other words, I can cooperate. I can compromise. I can collaborate with my fellow humans. Um, another is money. You know, you got to understand how money works. And frankly, there are a lot of highly educated people who feel really embarrassed that they don't seem to get how debt works, how savings works, how long term uh, money is built over time. And when you're highly educated and don't know what seemingly basic um, stuff may be about money, and of course, it's not that basic, but people feel it is, then they can feel ashamed. So h- how to how to make your money work for you, how to care about your 65-year-old self one day, even though you're only 25 and yet not be an indentured servant to your 65-year-old self. Also looking after what that 25-year-old self needs. Ultimately, there's balance that's required. Um, and But I think the biggest thing is, um, as a life skill, um, is, um, is knowing how to ask for help, frankly. So you've got to have your own capabilities. Yes, yes, yes. And You've also got to be able to say, to reach out to friends, family, mentors, and say, you know what, I'm in a bit of a bind or I have a question, I have a concern, um, you know, can I, can I get some help from you? Uh, that's, that's an important facet of being an adult, too. That is very much a life skill. Julie, on the subject of your book, what ultimately motivated you? Why did you want to write this book called Your Turn? Compassion. 
I have been rooting for young people in my role as a university dean. And frankly, I left nine years ago. I want readers, listeners, sorry to know that. Um, I'm no longer a dean. I write and speak full time now. But my compassion and care for those among us who are youngest in this adulting um, phase of life and who are bewildered and scared, I wrote this out of compassion for them. And I do not have all the answers, but I think I can ask really good questions, which I try to do within the pages of the book that open the reader up to themselves. There isn't one way of being an adult. I think one of the most bewildering things is if their childhood came with a lockstep plan, adulting is a wide open landscape. And I think that can feel terrifying. One of the central messages of this book is there is no right path. There is no right track. There aren't three or four careers that are valid and the rest invalid. You get to decide. You get to figure out what are you good at and what do you love and find work at the Venn diagram intersection of those things. And I think that is an imperative. And I also think it's daunting. And when people do the work, however, it becomes wonderful. We are going to continue our conversation about adulting with our guest, Julie Lithcott-Hames, right here on Where Parents Talk when we come back. Stay with us. Want to learn more about the show? Email info at whereparentstalk.com. Stick around. Leanne Castellino and Where Parents Talk will be right back on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to Where Parents Talk. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Here's Leanne Castellino. Welcome back. Our guest is Julie Lithcott Haynes, author, educator, mom, and academic. And we're talking about her latest book called Your Turn How to Be an Adult. Julie, you are the parent of a 22 and a 20 year old. Uh, I've got three kids in that same sort of age range, 24, 21, and 17. You know, I'm sure over the years you have struggled, as I have from time to time, with micromanaging, overparenting, helicoptering from time to time. Although I have to say I really do try uh, and, and catch myself on it, and, and many times I have. What struck you about what you learned in the course of writing this book and relating it to your own kids? Well, um, <laughs> what, what struck me was I was, on the one hand, a dean caring about other people's 18 to 22-year-olds. And I was an advocate for them to find their own voice, stop feeling or behaving like a little dog on someone else's leash, just being marched through life. Um, in response to other people's dictates. That was my thing as dean. It's your life. It's not theirs. I'm here to root for you, kid. You know, how can I help you get out from under all of this overhelp or all of this fierce direction of all of this handholding? And then I realized one day when my children were actually 10 and 8, that I was on route to become a parent who would be holding the hand of my university student one day, my, my child as a university student. Um, and I realized it when I uh, had dinner one night when my kids were 10 and 8, and I leaned over my 10-year-old's plate and began cutting his meat. And I had this aha moment, like, oh, no, I'm cutting the meat of a 10-year-old. That's too long to be cutting a child's meat. It was the equivalent of tying the shoes of a 7-year-old, you know, or holding 
a 12 year old's hand across the street. You know, at some point we're supposed to teach our kids to do for themselves instead of continually doing for them. The continually doing for them is what undermines their skill development and their mental health. And I, that night, Leanne, realized I was complicit in the very problem I was um, really criticizing other people about. So I developed a lot of compassion. And then that day began to try to repattern things in my own house. But that day was 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I have been at it since then because some of these patterns are so deeply embedded in the way we are as a family, in my family and maybe yours and, and listeners. It has taken, we, you know, we we keep encountering new ways in which our dynamic of over-accommodating, um, trying to fix everything, trying to help and handle, which feels loving, ends up undermining. And now that my kids are 20 and 22, we're seeing how these childhood patterns have held them back in certain respects. And we are hard at work trying to get out of our kids' way, particularly my 22-year-old, and I have permission to talk about it, so uh, so I do. Um, we have been in family therapy working out how um, um, when we rescue, we're sort of psychologically telling him, we don't think you can, so we'll handle it for you. That, again, it's lovingly intended but it ends up undermining the development of his skills and his confidence. Um, So we're backing off, uh, not abandoning him. We are stepping to the side, expressing empathy when he struggles. And uh, we're here for you. Let us know if you need us, but we're not assuming he needs us. We're stepping just enough to the side so he can feel rooted for and supported and know we're there if it's an emergency. But what's happening is he's nodding and going, yeah, you know, I can't. We say to him, this is hard, but you know what? You do hard things. And he looks at us and says, you know what? I do hard things. And then he goes off and tries um, his best at the hard thing. So I am very in it. And um, uh, whatever expertise I have is certainly informed by the fact that I am raising these young and I am trying to do uh, right by them. I am trying to be the parent they deserve. And my compassion for parents also infuses uh, all of these writings. Well, and I think that is such a tremendously important point that you're making, Julie, because I think what it underscores at this is this is not easy and it has to be intentional and it has to be deliberate. On that note, take us through what struck you over the course of conducting the interviews and the research that you did with a wide variety of different people, I might add, in the course of writing this book. What struck you most? So the craft of this book, and thank you for asking, uh, Leanne, is it's a self-help book, but it's told in three different uh, methods. One is my own personal narrative memoir. One is uh, every chapter will have some memoir, my personal stories, some lists, very practical, nine items, nine things, 12 things, 16 things you should focus on, whether it's self-care or money. Um, But then finally, every chapter concludes with the stories, the biographies, profiles of other humans, because I'm trying to demonstrate there is not one way to go about this. Read the stories of other people, find embedded in their stories um, nuggets that you can relate to. Every single storyteller in this book has been through something and can talk about it. I'm trying to demonstrate life is chaotic. Life comes with struggle. It's not about having a life that is as smooth as an iron sheet. 
It is about dealing with the ripples and the and the bumps and the, you know, the ways in which things don't go your way and recovering from that and moving forward. I mean, I think that's that's ultimately what we all need to know that it's not about being perfect. It's not about a lockstep plan. It's, you know, who are you? What do you know about yourself? How can you lick your wounds and get back up and course correct and keep going? Um, there's such joy in overcoming challenges. And I think every single person in the book, whatever walk of life they're from, and I do have a very, very um, inclusive approach in writing this book. So I've got folks from all different backgrounds and every way you can think about uh, human identity and, and demographics and life experiences. You know, this book is richly diverse, but what they have in common is they know who they are. They have struggled with a lot of stuff um, and they've figured themselves out uh, and they are really confident um, now that they've that they've done that work. You are listening to Where Parents Talk here on 105.9 The Region. Our guest today is Julie Lithcott-Hames, educator, mom, and author of Your Turn. And our topic on the show today is adulting. Now, Julie, some listeners um, hearing you speak are going to say, yes, she's making a lot of really, really important points. Um, they're wise, sage, um, you know, insight that she's bringing to this topic. But how do I know that my young child or, you know, youth, young adult is mature enough that, you know, what I'm telling him or her or what they're deciding to do is age appropriate for them? Like, how can I trust that they are going to do what needs to be done, whatever that situation is, in order for them to one day become independent individuals? You know, I'm not a child development expert. I'm a former university dean who saw a problem at the 18 to 22 year old level and tried to dial back and understand what was happening in parenting and childhood that was kind of leading kids astray. Um, so what I will say is this. The minute they start to walk, they're walking away from us. We're supposed to prevent them from walking into traffic, walking into the ocean, walking off a cliff. Um, that is to say, we are meant to be guardrails to make sure nothing disastrous happens while rooting for them to continue to go and grow and get stronger. We're supposed to delight in that instead of to be afraid of all that. So at every step of the way, there's we should be asking, great, look at the skills they've got. What's next? Instead of let me help them with that forever. We're supposed to be teaching them every single thing from how to cross the street safely to how to make a meal to how to remember to put their things in their backpack. We're supposed to let the consequences of life happen. Ouch, that stove is hot. OK, that's how a child learns not to touch the stove. If we just forever don't let them near the stove, they never learn. And then one day they're, you know, grown and bewildered that they don't know how to do the basic thing, like make something on the stove or take public transportation or whatever it may be. So um, it's that quest to constantly be curious about our kids' learning edge. Yes, you could tie their shoes forever, but do you really want to be tying the shoes of a 15-year-old? I was talking to a mom in New York a couple of weeks back when I flew out there to give a talk. She said, Julie, I know you admit you were cutting your son's meat at 10. I've got to tell you, I cut my 15-year-old's meat. And I just looked at her and I was like, you got to stop. And she laughed and said, I know, but, you know, when he does it, he just, he, he won't do it. He just sticks a fork in the meat, picks the whole thing up. 
And I said to her, frankly, you're setting him up for tremendous embarrassment when he gets out into the world and you're not there and he's at a job interview or he's with his peers. People are going to laugh at him or think really poorly of him because he doesn't know how to use a knife and fork. And you've done that to him. And she just sort of stared at me and I just stared back at her. And that's and I think that's the point here. Like, why are we acting like we will forever be in the driver's seat with our child strapped into a car seat? They are growing. They are growing up. We're supposed to teach them so that one day, frankly, they can look after us one day. And on that note, I wonder what your, you know, your main tips would be to share with parents of students who are currently deciding, for example, on their post-secondary path, whether that's college, university, or something else. What would you or could you share with those parents as some helpful advice? First of all, any one of those paths is uh, potentially a really viable one for your kid. Not everyone has to go to university. Not everyone should go to university. Uh, people ought to go into the trades. They ought to go straight into the workplace. It all depends on who the kid is um, at its most fundamental. These questions are answered uh, by asking, what are you good at? What do you love? A, a young person should be pursuing the intersection of those things. In other words, don't make your kid be an engineer just because they're good at math. If they love math and seem to be really curious about math and science and so on, then engineering might be a great path, although there are many, many others. But too many young people today are steered toward a path everyone says they should follow because they're good at it, but they don't love it. So they feel like robots in their own lives. And then they're in therapy when they're in their 40s and 50s saying, why am I leading this life? My parents uh, forced me to lead. That's not what we're going for. We're trying to validate their strengths. Well, you seem really interested in this. How can we support you in doing more of what you love? I'm here with a kid who's a science lover, and I've got another kid who's an artist. And I finally validated the fact that my daughter is an artist for years. I couldn't accept it because I didn't think it was good enough. Mm. And I finally, in working with other people's kids at the university level who were being denied the opportunity to pursue the things that brought them joy and they were good at, I finally was able to see my own precious daughter as the amazing artist that she is. And, you know, I'm a, I'm, I get teary when I think about how I denied that. There's so many parents listening who aren't able to accept the child they've got. And yet that is our most important imperative I don't mean to accept complacency. I'm, I'm not saying don't set goals. I'm saying, let it all begin with, who is my child actually? What do I notice makes them light up and curious? You know, your child might want to be a wilderness naturalist, even though you're a family of bankers. That's terrific. Let them do it. And the reverse could be true. You're outdoors people and your kid wants to go to work in finance. That's fine too. It's not your life. It's theirs. You are supposed to, provide them with food, shelter, unconditional love, and get out of their way so they can become who they're meant to become. They're not your pet or your project. They're a human being. And this is their one wild and precious life. And here I'm quoting the late poet Mary Oliver. But I wanted to end on an optimistic note, which is something that we try to do on this show, is to, to provide parents hope. What gives you hope about this generation of future adults? We are actively undoing the things that we're getting in our kids' way. And if I can make a change, everyone listening can make a change. And so I'm optimistic about our kids, and I'm also optimistic about us as parents. We can still grow and pivot. 
plenty of sage advice and candid insight. Julie Lithcott-Hames, author of Your Turn, How to Raise an Adult and Mom of Two. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and your expertise with us today. Thank you. And thanks to everyone who listened. And that is this edition of Where Parents Talk. Remember, you can learn more about this week's giveaway and much more on whereparentstalk.com. I'm Leanne Castellino. See you next time. Sign up for Leanne's parenting newsletter and so much more at whereparentstalk.com. This is Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region.